Fields to the end zone. Moore. Touchdown. With time. Throws it short. Foreman with the catch. Foreman to the end zone for the touchdown. Warriors long pass of the day is 15 yards and it's intercepted. Picked off by Jalen Johnson. Johnson untouched for the touchdown. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome into the Willis Twin Towers podcast. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Tim Willis, and my partner in crime over here, my twin brother, Jeff. Jeff, say hello to the crowd. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. We're going to have a pretty special guest for you guys in a little bit. We'll get you in, a, in, a, in here in about 10 minutes or so. Just want to let you guys know, give us a like on the, on the, on the video here. Follow Barroom Network. Uh, give us a subscription here to the channel and also give us a follow on Twitter, guys. We got some good stuff on there for you. I'm at JAW0235. Tim is at Tim Willis24. Like I said, we've got good, pretty good content we've got on there, guys. During the games, we, we're saying stuff usually. And also, we post some pretty good stuff about um, like some hits and whatnot we were talking about last week. The Willis's Wops we want to get into. And I'll talk about that later in the show, but we do have some pretty good uh, reposts that I, at least I do anyways, that I've got from some people that have shown some good stuff over the course of the last week or so. But uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you get into some stuff here, Tim, and, and let us know what's going on here today. Well, I'm excited um, about our guest tonight. I'll introduce him here shortly, or, or excuse me, Jeff will introduce him here shortly. Um, but as you guys may know, I'm wearing my Notre Dame hat tonight. Um, Jeff and I were born and raised in South Bend, uh, spent the majority of our childhood lives in Mishawaka, which is just outside of South Bend. Um, we grew up within a couple of miles from Notre Dame Stadium. Um, we bleed blue and gold. And so tonight's guest um, is uh, a huge Notre Dame guy. You'll find out soon. I don't want to give away too much, but I will tell you that he is the beat writer for the South Bend Tribune for Notre Dame football. Um, and I'm really excited to have him on. It's been a really trying year for Notre Dame. Um, there were really high expectations. Um, and the, after the Ohio State debacle and some other things, it just hasn't panned out um, to what the expectations were. But to top that off, um, there's some very interesting prospects uh, coming out of Notre Dame that will be entering the draft. And we want to ask some questions to him pertaining to that and seeing maybe if the Bears would be looking at some of those guys. Um, I know that Ryan Poles and staff have been to several Notre Dame games already this year and done some scouting. So uh, it's interesting to see uh, if they're possibly looking at some of those guys in uh, April here. Maybe we'll see a Notre Dame player drafted by our own Chicago Bears. Yeah, I was just going to say um... – I'm sure some of you guys are Notre Dame fans anyways, and you're all mostly college football fans, I'm sure. But most, I mean, you're all Bears fans, so I'm sure you're going to have some curiosity as to whether some of these guys that are on Notre Dame's roster right now and are going to be entering the draft could possibly be fits for the Bears as far as both their uh, physical profile and as far as production and need and all those things. So, I think you guys are going to enjoy this show from a, a number of standpoints. But after we get done with the with our guest, 
we're also going to dive into Bears Lions because I'm sure you guys are going to want to know how we feel about that upcoming matchup and whether or not our beloved Bears stand a chance in that one. So, um, what do you? First of all, Tim, what do you? Let's just kind of get going a little bit on that real quick before Mike comes in because I want to know your thoughts on on what. Uh, first of all, what Dan Campbell has said in the past couple of days in his pressers regarding the Bears and how he feels they perform and and how hard they fight and also. I mean, do you think we're going to stand a chance in this game? Do you think we're going to do enough or, or potentially you're going to perform well enough to stand a chance and make this a close game? Well, I kind of lean two ways here. Um, to go on the Dan Campbell point, I'll just say that based on his comments, um, I think he views the Bears in a very similar situation to where he was his first couple of years in Detroit. Um Tough, gritty, hard-nosed football team. They like to pound the rock, which we need to see more of that this year. But um, tough-nosed guys that don't give up, that fight through games. Um, and that's very similar to how he built that roster or built that team in Detroit. And I think he sees a lot of similarity there. You know, they start, like everybody keeps pointing out this year, including the coaching staff for the Bears, that the Lions started off 1-6 and six, uh, last year, and they, they closed the year out really well. And I almost kind of feel that same similar vibe in Chicago. Now, granted, uh, I don't, I wouldn't put our team up against that team last year. I feel like Detroit's team is much better um, than we are at this point this year. Um, but on Sunday, I, if you're asking me if I was not a Bears fan, my first thought would be the Bears are going to get killed. It's it's not going to be a close game. Um, there's just too much on offense in Detroit. There's not enough. Uh, we don't, we don't, we're not going to be able to put up enough on their defense, but there's a couple things that go with that. So to me, there's a few things in the bears favor. So number one, Justin Fields is back. And if you're not going to tell me for one minute that he is not going to play with a massive chip on his shoulder, he's been sitting out for four games. Um, People are talking about how there was such a, or everybody's talked about the quarterback controversy early on. I think he wants to shut up that narrative quick. Um, I just think he's going to come out there and ball. Um, before you go on, before you go on, Tim, I want to mention this comment that Torian just put up because I've been screaming this since day one. I mean, it's bedrock of football. Limit the penalties and turnovers. You give yourself a chance. Yes. And that's not always the case with some teams because you're just so overmatched talent wise, which, I mean, if you look at it right now, yes, on talent, talent wise on paper, of course, and even by the records, the Lions are better. But the the Bears have enough talent, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to where if they limit those penalties and turnovers, and they probably if they would get some turnovers on defense, it'd be nice, which we preach about it all the time. And you know, it's pretty rare that we actually have that happen. But when we do, we have good success with it. So if they do those things and they do, you know, have some pretty good execution on offense and they continue to play well on defense, which they have, but the problem is they really are going to have to stop these guys, the run game, especially because I don't remember who it was. I, I was hearing about it from, I believe it was Matt Bowen was on 670 or something. If I'm not mistaken, was talking about, he believes if the lions could, they would run the ball every single time and just go play action based off of that when they can every once in a while and get it down the field, which 
I wish the Bears would do that because you know what? We have a pretty good run game, a really good offensive line in the run game, and a stable of backs who can run the football, not to mention a quarterback who is arguably one, he's definitely one of the best running quarterbacks, if not the best running quarterback in the league outside of Lamar Jackson. So the way I look at it, if they would do that a little bit more, if they would get, if they would commit to the run game, if they would work the play action based off of that and get the ball down the field, they will stand a chance because they need some explosive plays, in my opinion, outside of just, you know, limiting the the, the turnovers and, and, and the, the penalties and all that. That will give you a chance. But if you actually want to win, in my opinion, they're going to have to have some explosive plays in this game, whether it be like a big run from fields, a downfield pass or two that go for touchdowns, uh, maybe a kick return for a touchdown or a punt return for a touchdown, which is doubtful, but possible always. So, you know, those kinds of things, I think if, if any of that happens, they're going to stand a chance for sure. But if they want to win, they're going to have to get one of those explosive plays, at least one of those explosive plays, probably a handful of them. I agree. I think some things are definitely going to have to go their way. Um, but I think we sh- our guests should be getting ready to come on. I do want to continue this. Um, I've got some more points that I want to make about this game and my feelings and thoughts for it. Um, but our guest should be arriving shortly if he's not on right now. So, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and um, introduce our guest? He's not here yet. So don't worry about it right now. But um I want to ask you guys real quick, just to kind of get off, because we're going to get back to Bears Lions in a little bit here. I want to ask you guys something in the chat. Those of you can see me, uh, those of who are listening on the podcast, you're not going to hear, you're not going to see this, obviously, but we'll talk about it afterwards. Anybody who can see my shirt right now, the first person in the chat who can guess who these guys are, who this is, I'll give you a shout out right now, obviously, on the show for saying it. But can I say it? Looking at who is at the bottom, if you can see who these people are and you can guess it, I'll give you a shout out. Can I do it? No, Tim, you're not obviously not allowed. <laughs> well, I got nothing from nobody here yet. Can they really see it? You guys don't know. You got to be able to. Can you guys see? I mean, I can see it. Can you see so. the faces at least? For anybody listening, on my shirt, I've got three guys. One in the middle is blonde, and they're all wearing sunglasses. And it's a popular band from the 80s. In probably late 70s. Got no, it. it's not Duran Duran, Cliff. Not even close. <laughs> not even close, I like buddy. Duran Duran. Don't hit on Duran Duran. Well, since nobody can can figure it out, I'm just going to let Tim go ahead and guess. Oh, it's not Doris Joe, but that's Close. getting closer. A lot closer. It's a three-piece band, guys. It's not David Bowie or Mick Jagger, Kevin. Go ahead, Tim. Tell him who it is. I'm pretty certain it's the police. It is the police. I cannot believe you guys couldn't figure that out. Sting right in the middle there. Stuart Copeland, one of the most explosive drummers of all time. I can't believe you guys don't know who these guys are. That's baffling to me. But anyways. Well, there's a few There's a few guys probably that remember the police in the chat, but probably some younger guys too. Not even really sure who the police are. De- definitely don't know who Stuart Copeland is, Jeff. Most of them probably don't. They may know oh, the name. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't want you guys to see all of it because at the very bottom here, it actually says the police. So <laughs> I didn't want to give that part away. So sorry, Cliff. Rock- oh, great song. It's probably hey, my favorite one. It's Roxanne. Funny. Hey, Cliff mentioned Roxanne. And, I, and I, it's funny. I'm going to tell a funny story. So some of you guys may not know this, but um, I coach high school wrestling. Hey, Tim, I'm, we we got to get into this here. Let me okay, he, we'll okay. talk about it later. We'll, so we'll, let me introduce our guest here, guys, real quick. Um, so as Tim said, he is uh, he, he's the beat writer for the South Bend Tribune. He's with USA Today also. 
He's the co-host of the Pot of Gold. He's also a voter on the AP Top 25, and he obviously covers Notre Dame. This is Mike Berardino. Welcome in, Mike. Thanks for being here. Hey, guys, how are you? I would like to hear that story that I, I got. To, what, what's the Roxanne story? <laughs> so I, uh, I'm, a, I'm the head coach at a high school here locally, West Vigo High School. And uh, we have this wrestling drill that we play the song Roxanne to. And yes. all it is is every time he said or they say Roxanne, they have to take a shot. And every time he says put on the red light, they have to sprawl. And you want to see a bunch of tired wrestlers by the end of a song, <laughs> it wears them down completely. But it's a really great drill, and it keeps them in their stance and things. If you know anything about wrestling, it's great for that. Well, I I knew I do know that I had the police's greatest hits in my car as I was driving around today, and I I just heard Roxanne a little while ago, so that's a that's hey. timeless. And and yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems like a, a, a best and worst of all worlds that you got there. Whatever whatever you're doing there with uh, <laughs> with the refrain. So uh, I know more about pro wrestling, probably historic old time pro wrestling than uh, than actual uh, you know legit wrestling. Yeah. So, Mike, I want to open up with a question for you. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a flux situation. I've, I've listened to your pot of gold podcast and I know it's not nobody's really certain um, what direction they're going to go. But in your opinion, do you think that they're going to anoint the next quarterback as um, somebody that's on the roster, maybe Angeli, Minchie, or do you think it's going to be Carr next year? Or do you think they're really going to hit the portal and try to find someone for that there? Your guess is as good as mine right now. I mean, those are all <laughs> potential options. Um, kind of depends on the quality of the pull that they can get from the transfer portal this time. Um, you know, at this time last year, there was there were a handful of names floating around, and and uh, Sam Hartman really wouldn't come to the fore until about the third week of December, I believe during the Gasparilla bowl, it, it, it kind of went public and, uh, but then it kind of got, got tamped down for a week or so. And, but it was, it was going to happen. Um, this, I mean, the fact that CJ cars, uh, going to, going to show up here in, in South Bend in the middle of December, as opposed to the middle of January is not just a, uh, a wise move for his, uh, short term but uh for for his ability to get a, a leg up on whoever they bring in because that will not be the case for the transfer portal guy uh i mean we'd just be throwing names out there right now i haven't been you know uh we have really no reason to believe until we see where some of the coaching carousel takes us mm -hmm. what will happen with the quarterback carousel when you consider that some of the potential prizes are you know, guys like Michael Pratt or Riley Leonard, but but it's way too early. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say, um, I feel like with with everything that happened with with Hartman this year, we all kind of felt like it was gonna go really well, especially from the start of the year, the way everything was looking early on, and then things kind of didn't go our way late later on. You know, so it kind of makes me wonder whether or not they'll actually go that route again or, or if they'll actually just kind of ride it out with a guy like Angeli. Just kind of worried, kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think we've written about, we had Tom Lemming on a couple of weeks ago on the pot of gold and, and um, his point was that uh, he pretty much felt um, his, his prognostication was no matter who they bring in for a transfer quarterback, that could cost them. We're, um, he said it almost could guarantee it would cost them one of those guys in-house um, because it's, we're in the era of people 
reading tea leaves and and not wanting to stick around waiting even one year for a potential uh, guarantee like Tyler Buckner uh, got out of town and went down to Alabama and it hasn't worked out for him in the short term. Um, but the job in 24 might've been his, if he had just hung around and, and, uh, and held the clipboard and, and learned under Hartman. Um, and jelly, uh, has, has not really played any meaningful snaps so far, but in mop up duty has shown the ability at least to, to stay out of trouble and, and, and dump it down to those receivers. He's the check down guy so far. Let's like to see him try to uh, throw some balls into some tighter windows, but how much would we really learn? Even if Angeli plays a, a quarter or a half against Wake Forest or Stanford. Um, it's uh, I, I'm with you. I I'd like to see, and Kenny Minchie, the reports on him out of uh, USC week, as I wrote about when he was impersonating Caleb Williams for the scout team were so the raves were so great that I'm not saying he's the next Caleb Williams, but he at least did a reasonable impression of him in terms of mobility, the arm talent that even some of his teammates were talking about who had to defend him on those uh, extended plays that Caleb at his best can give you. And, of course, we saw how the game went. So Kenny Minchie prepared his teammates uh, and the defensive coaching staff for what lay ahead, but but what can you read into that? I, I in, When Marcus Freeman talks about wanting to have four quarterbacks on scholarship again, uh, for next year when Sam Hartman is subtracted from the mix and Carr is added. Um, there are no guarantees that Minchie or uh, Angeli would, would would still be here in the spring. Mm. So that, okay. that brings me to a question um, as far as recruiting goes. So uh, when Brian Kelly was in South Bend, um, I don't want to say that he didn't emphasize recruiting because I believe he did, but as far as he didn't go to the lengths that Marcus Freeman goes to, to go get these kids on his own. Like he's really invested in getting these kids himself. He goes to, ha- he goes on the visits, very, very invested in it. He's willing to travel anywhere to get these kids. Um, so my question is uh, the last championship Notre Dame one was in 1988. Jeff and I didn't even get to see that. We were born in 89. So we haven't, we have not seen that. In your lifetime. Not, in not a lot of thing. Yes. Right. right. So my, my question is with, how he's willing to do the recruiting. And we're really starting to see the fruits of that labor. Like there's some very, very talented kids on this roster that are just going to keep getting better. Uh, Benjamin Morrison's a big one that comes to mind for me. uh, And only 19 years old. So my question would be, do you think that with the way that Marcus is recruiting right now, do you think he could be the guy to get us over the top? Or do you think he's maybe still too young of a coach to really know for sure what he's able to do in the future? Well, you make a good point about his recruiting energy and the and the the word he uses for his not just himself but his whole staff relentless. He said that mm-hmm. he wanted a complete staff of relentless recruiters, and they have been in the mix for more of the five star types. Even though Jalen Sneed so far is the only five star they've landed. I mean, can't, CJ Carr may end up being a five star. Um, and then at the development piece of it, you know, Benjamin Morrison when he came in was not supposed to be Benjamin Morrison. I mean, that just that he didn't even get here until June of 22. And, and then, uh, you know, just kept getting better and better because Mike Mickens is really good at coaching cornerbacks and he's the defensive pass game coordinator and probably the a defensive coordinator in waiting. Should Al Golden go back to the NFL at some point as a coordinator or go run another program as he's done elsewhere. But, um, you know, the, the key is that you're in those conversations. Uh, Marcus Freeman said he would be the lead recruiter on everybody. 
he would not be the closer, which was the traditional way for a head coach to do these things, and maybe the way Brian Kelly preferred to do these. But Marcus Freeman's often the one who's staying in touch with these guys post game, checking, you know, the the, the quick text uh, that a head coach could easily shunt off to somebody else. He he's all world at that and and creating these relationships doesn't mean that you get everybody to the finish line. They had a number of guys decommit who would have been potential program changing pieces like Keelan Keeley a year ago and Peyton Bowen at the last minute with all that drama. Um, and even this year, there've been a couple of guys who would have been nice to keep in the group who got away, but that's just kind of recruiting in the, in the NIL era. And of course the transfer portal being a tighter window now, but still still opening up on December 4th, there'll be some movement that could freak out some of the some of the guys out there who might already be verbally committed somewhere else, might be verbally committed here. It's important to always let people know that those are non- I think we lost you for a second there, Mike. There's of my own who are in their 20s. I, I know, sorry, you see me now? All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, we I was got you. I was just I uh, was just letting you know that a non-binding is the part that we leave out, and then the fan base gets angry when these guys quote unquote decommit. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just kind of you, you kind of have to have an idea along the way, but it's the players' prerogative, the young student athletes' prerogative, uh, especially at age seventeen, um, to to keep looking around, and they tend to do that right up until early signing date. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I, I wanted to kind of ask something that's a little off topic. I mean, it, it is kind of in relation to Brian Kelly. Notre Dame Stadium forever was natural grass, as you know. And when Brian Kelly got here, I feel like one of the first things he did was move to the field turf. And with all the players lately, with the injuries and the complaints that they've had with, with turf and wanting to play on grass, do you think Notre Dame at some point goes back to grass? Well, they just put in a new uh, layer of turf uh, about a year ago. Um, and so they're on their second set of, of uh, field turf. And I'm, I hear you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pushback around the NFL. And even some of the guys, they practice um, on field turf here as well. They do have access to one grass field. Um, but three of the practice fields, including the indoor, um, are the fake stuff. Um but to this point, because of the because of you know, what can happen, uh, we've been kind of lucky so far with this weather. But you know, you just think back to last year's senior day with the snow game. If that had been um, you know any snow or, or severe rain on uh, freezing rain or something on grass, then you go back to you know you're at the mercy of of the mud, and those that can be fun to watch. But it's certainly uh, no better for competitive outcome or or maybe even safety. I don't know. I mean, I, I have asked a number of, I mean, Eli Raritan's blowing out his knee a couple of times, but once was basketball and uh, once was on practice, non-contact injury. And he's, he's one who said he'd rather play on grass. He believes from his research and his, his grandfather is a former strength coach for the national champion team in 88. Um, you know, that as from his belief, uh, grass would be better for those, especially those non-contact injuries. But um Obviously, there's a cost component, and this thing has been in place, uh, I believe, since 2014, and uh, no indication that they're going to pull it out. Hmm. Okay. Well, Mike, we, I know you need to get out of here soon, but um, I did want to ask you, this is kind of a little off subject, but like I said, Jeff and I are from um, 
South Bend. We were born there and we were raised in Mishawaka. Nice. So just ran just random question. What is your favorite pizza place in the South oh. Bend, Michiana area? That's a good question. Um, I'm not a, I'm mm -hmm. not a Barnaby's guy. It's okay. I know a lot me of people, neither. uh, swear like by that. Uh, <laughs> like me neither. I'm with you, Mike. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to turn it down. Uh, we, right. we've had that for a few of our staff meetings. I like Rocco's, um, for dine okay. in. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I probably still haven't had, I've only been here since 2018. You guys, I should be taking advice from you guys. I have thought, <laughs> I believe they changed their name, but I've had a good experience with it. Uh, it was bourbon street pizza. Mm -hmm. And then okay, I yeah. they, they updated, they changed the name. Um, but uh, they did a nice job. And, and of course, you know, just from the chain aspect or regional chain, which I shouldn't be pointing out here, but uh, Jets uh, does a good job with their Detroit, Detroit uh, style pizza. But you tell me, what am I missing? I know I'm missing. Well, some I would say it would be Starlight Pizza. Never had Bro, Starlight. Got to get it, Mike. So I per me personally, if I had to pick two pizza places in South Bend that I had to go to, Starlight would be number one. And number two would be, in, if, if you're ever in Roseland area, they're, they're, it's a chain pizza restaurant, like you said, a local chain, but Pizza King in Roseland is delicious. Wow. So if you ever have a chance, I would check those two places out because they're very, very, very good. They're both um, your classic. They're not like thick crust. They're, um, they're yeah. um, what's Tim, what's the word I'm looking for right yeah. now? It's square, square cut thin. Um, kind of like New York yeah. style or? Yeah. Square, well, square cut. Yeah, but they're thin. Yeah, thinner. they're yeah, they're 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 very very good. It's definitely something to look at look into. Yeah. All right. Well, at Starlight's been on my. Uh, I drive by it often down down on the south side of town near Ireland Road. But, Ireland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, I have not stopped in, but I'm going to have to. It's so, a good one. Thank you. And so Pizza if, King if too. I have Bruno's. I would recommend Bruno's as well. I have Bruno's had Bruno's. Bruno's yep, that's a that's a good call. That's a good call. There's no shortage of them. Uh, we're blessed. Not. We're blessed yes. here. It's a good, that's a whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Uh, it is a podcast, I, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for joining us. We really, we, awesome. we know we got to let you go, but um, we appreciate your time and, and uh, we look forward to guys check it, check out Mike's podcast, Pot of Gold, and also follow him on Twitter and X at Mike Berardino, B E R A R D I N O. Thank you guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. So yeah, good stuff from Mike there. Um, wanted to ask yeah, I mean, a question about the draft, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and let let you dig into that really quick, Jeff. Um, so there's some players from Notre Dame that I think would be good fits for um, Chicago in the draft. Some of them could be some late round hits, and as we've seen from Ryan Poles, it's he's more he drafts more on physical traits than he does production. I feel like more times than not. And there's a few at Notre Dame that really stick out. Um, and we kind of saw that when they picked up Khalid Kareem off of uh, when, when Indianapolis cut him, he was a guy from Notre mm -hmm. Dame who didn't necessarily have a ton of production, but the traits just jumped at you on, on screen. You could see it, especially when you watch tape, he was really good in the run game and man, he could just get after the passer, but it just didn't come into it. There just wasn't a ton of production, even at Notre Dame, but you could see the physical traits and they did mention those things when they picked him up off of, off of uh waivers there. But um, 
you know, there's a few guys that stand out. Obviously, I really would love to see Joe Alt come to Notre Dame, but I, I do. Kevin Williams on, in the chat wants to see Joe Alt come to, come to the Bears too. So yes, we'll, yes. I'll get into that in a second here, but go ahead, Tim. But I was just going to say, I mean, I really do. I don't think they're going to go that way. I think they do think Braxton's the guy. Um, Braxton has a lot of those, again, physical traits that they talked about. Freakishly long arms. He's super athletic. Um, he could use some strength. He needs to build strength still. But the bull rush, he's better against that than he was last year. There there are some things he needs to improve, but there are a lot of really good physical traits there. And you're talking about a guy that came from the uh, low F, uh, FCS level. And he just, the, the traits stood out. And they saw that and they drafted him for that. And I really think that they're hoping he can be the guy because for one, they drafted in the fifth round. They're not allocating a lot of money towards him. And if you can get your left tackle locked up for the next four years without having to pay him big money, you know, why wouldn't you do that? You know, so, but to go along or to, to keep going from that, um, you know, running back is another one that I think could be a very real possibility. You know, the bears have a really great running back room right now, but it's one of those things where, you know, you're talking Herbert's got one more year. And I, I'm not sure that he gets re-signed. I, there, I just don't think that Poles likes to re-sign running backs. And, and it's not just Poles; it's GMs across across the NFL don't really like to uh, re-sign running backs because uh, their their lifespan is so short. And you can it's easy it's easy to draft a guy in the late rounds that can be just as productive, if not more productive. And I don't know if you guys have watched Notre Dame football much, but Audrick Estime is the best running back in college football. Uh, he is just a monster. I knew that's where you were going to go with this. So let, but, me, let me counter what you were going to say, well, Tim. So the first thing I want to say, I'll, I'll get to the offensive line thing in a second, but I, I'm going to disagree with you on that point because I do agree with you that Audrick Estime is probably the best running back in the draft. That being said, first of all, he's probably going to go in the second round. The Bears don't even have a second round pick right now. And I severely doubt they're going to use a second round pick on a running back. I just oh, don't, I don't see that. that happening. I, especially I with, all, especially with all the, 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 the needs that they have. Now, going back to the offensive line portion, number one, I do, I, I, I believe I, I've turned you into the Braxton Jones on the Braxton Jones train to where Joe Alt's probably not going to happen. But, and the reason for that, look, guys, I love Joe Alt as much as the next guy. In my personal opinion, at this very point in time, if I was a if I was an evaluator and I had to choose between Alt or Fasanu, it would probably be Alt. And the reason I would pick Alt is because he might not have quite the upside that Fasanu has because Fasanu has like elite upside. But he's got like I mean he's right there. He could be one of the top tackles in the league. He has like his technique is flawless. He has unbelievable balance. He's just the kind. He's you just know watching him and the way he plays that he's going to be great. And I'm talking about all, of course. So look guys, I love the kid. And I, and I think he's going to be a great player in the league. I just hope he doesn't go to like a division rival. I just don't see the bears going that way for two major reasons. The first one is obviously Braxton Jones and the, the way he's played. And there was a couple, there was a couple of pass block snaps in that last game. It were just like ridiculous. The way he, the way he is improved and the way he's able to do things it's like a fifth round pick on just seeing this happen is like, it's, it's really nice. I mean, because it's a guy you, you're, you're getting on a really a cheap contract. You're not paying your cornerstone left tackle yet. He's on a rookie deal still. 
and you got other needs on your team. So if you got a top pick and a top five pick, which is, I mean, all it's going to go top 10 for sure. And so as Fasano, they could go for top five, you know, if, if that's the case, you know, it's not going to happen with either of those guys. And the bears have so many, like I said, they have so many other needs to where it's like, at this point, there's a light, there's a very good possibility. They could go quarterback. We, we hope that, that the case is that Justin improves enough and shows enough to where that's not the case. Because like I said, they have so many other needs still like, and one of them's on the defensive line. They still need have a needed edge. You can make an argument that they still have a need for a three tech. And that's where I want to go into with Notre Dame. So there are a couple of prospects that Notre Dame has that I like for the bears. And one of them is somebody I want to ask Greg about at some point when, 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 uh, when there's a Greg uh, Gabriel talks football episode, because there's a guy at Notre Dame who is a defensive lineman, defensive tackle named Howard cross. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but this dude, I don't know that the problem is I'm not sure if he's exactly what the bears would look for as far as like physically from, I don't know if he's got like the length or the athletic profile. I'm not sure he probably does, but this, I mean, the, the motor, this dude's play, the, the motor he plays with the production and just, you just see on tape that he, you just get this feeling he's going to be a monster at the next level. He's just going to, he's going to put it together and be a really good player. I feel like. And I just wonder, I'm curious to where Greg values Greg sees him as an evaluator as far as like round wise. And if he would be a fit for this bears defense is like a three tech. Cause I do like him a lot. Howard Cross, yeah. anyways. Yeah, I do too. I, I do. There's a, there's honestly a lot of guys, um, on that current roster that I really like that I think would be good NFL players for sure. More so than I would say in the past over the last 20, I mean, Notre Dame always has high draft picks. They always have a lot of guys going the draft. Um, it's, it's a good program over the years that they've definitely got a reputation. Um, but, and you know, there's a kid coming up in a couple in, that'll probably be in next year's class, Benjamin Morrison. He's a corner. I think he's going to go in the first round. He's unbelievable. He completely, erased Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Ohio State game. Just a physical, really, really good corner. Has the length, has good size, good ball skills. He's going to be outstanding, and and that would be one I would love to see Chicago grab next year. But I also want to mention, I don't see him coming to Chicago because we don't really have a need at linebacker, but I also could see him moving to safety. And that's J.D. Bertrand. I don't know, if Jeff, if you if you view him the same kind of way, but he reminds me a lot of Harrison Smith, a lot. And for those of you who may not know, Harrison Smith played linebacker at Notre Dame up until his, I believe it was his senior year, maybe his junior year. Does he have length like Smith, though? I'm not sure he's got that kind of length. He, he may not have quite the length of Harrison Smith, but he's got very, very good ball skills, and he is just on it. I think he'd be a really great linebacker in the NFL. He actually reminds me more of um, – Oh, who was the guy that went to uh, the Chargers and played there for a long time at linebacker? He played Rover at Notre Dame um, just a few um, years back. He's from Fort Wayne. Oh, Gilman? No, not no. Gilman. Um, um, why I can't, can't I think of this right now? I, I know. It's bothering me too. Good good linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminds me of – Bertrand reminds me a lot of him too. Um, but that's a guy I could, I could see him getting drafted and having a really great NFL career because he is very good on the ball. Um so, you know, we'll see. I, I'm not sure. I don't see a whole lot of guys that I see Chicago maybe coveting in this draft as far as Notre Dame players. But I do think Alt has to be on their, at least on their radar, a guy they're looking at 
I'm I sure they're think. watching him and Fasano both. They've yeah. got to be watching. Agreed. Him. Agreed. I think they probably are looking at Howard Cross too um, because of the, the – we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of athletic traits at Notre Dame, um, and that defense has been very, very, very good. It's one of the best in the country. So who knows? Well, real quick, before we, before we get on to Bears lines, there's a couple – mentions here in the chat going back to estimate and I will make a point about him real quick before we get on this um Aldo makes a mention here about him saying that if estimate is available on day three and some think he might be I'm grabbing him because he's the next best first of all that com- that comp is excellent not mm-hmm. from a like a physical perspective because I mean Bettis was massive and estimate is like chiseled and he's big yes. but he's not like Bettis was he's not like a bus like his you know the nickname implied He's just a like a he's strong. He's an ox. Right, he's, and you look at him. Like I said, he's chiseled. And but the way they run the, is very very similar. They just run through people. I mean, you cannot bring this guy down. So well, I'm a lot of people underestimate his speed because he doesn't look fast. But he's he has fast. breakaway speed when he gets in the open field. He nobody catches him. But what I was going to say was is look. I mean. If he's available on day three, which is, you know, he'd have to be a round four or later, which to me, I, I would be very, very surprised if he falls below the second round. If he goes to round three, maybe, but I mean, if he goes day three, that would shock me. But yes, I'm with you, Aldo. If he's there on day three, I'd take him in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. this is your guy now. I mean, he would take, I mean, to me, he'd take over because he's good in the pass game too. And in my opinion, he was both underutilized and not, utilized as well as he could have been at Notre Dame. They could have used him more. And there was a, in particular, the game against USC, Notre Dame, not USC, Ohio state, Notre Dame should have won that game. And in the last drive, they took estimate out, which is unbelievable to me. They should have chewed, chewed the clock with him. He's you know, dominating all night. He would have scored. So, he would have scored. A yeah, probably, he probably would have scored. So, but that's not here nor there. That's, that's a different day and thing, but I, I agree with you guys. If estimate was around on day three, I would take him. Absolutely. But to get to Bears Lions, which is kind of what we really should be talking about anyways, right now with this big game coming up. Look, at the end of the day, it's like we were kind of talking about earlier. Yes, you got to limit the penalties and the turnovers. That's the first and foremost thing that's going to be a necessity. But again, I feel like you're going to have to hit on some big plays. You're going to have to get some plays down the field. Fields is going to maybe have to break some big runs off, you know, a, a pick six or something, a kick return for a touchdown, punt return for a touchdown. You definitely got to have those things in your favor, and they definitely be have to, they have to be as Eberflus would say, positive in the in the in the turnover category, category or plus in the turnover category. So those things all have to take place, and they have to be effective. They got to to me, they got to run the ball. You have to run the football with both Fields and with your backs. And you do have to run the play action off that to get it down the field. And I and still, Fields is going to have to start to show some more growth in the progression aspect of it. In this, in in as far as the processing things quickly, getting the ball out, all those things. He's got to be able to throw it in the middle of the field more. But I, you know, you can say that there's there's schematic things with that and all that. And I get it. But at the same time, everybody's got to have accountability here. And you know, everybody's got some blame, but. Things are starting to come together now. And if in this game we see good pass blocking, receivers getting open, you know, all this stuff going on and Fields is missing on throws, then that is going to be concerning to me. 
So, but I mean, at the same time, he is coming off a hand injury. So we're going to have to give him some credit if he misses like, you know, with some inaccuracies, but if he's not seeing stuff, he's not throwing the ball when he obviously should be, you know, we're not, we can't expect him to just overnight start throwing with incredible anticipation, but if we, we are going to have to see some more in the pocket, getting rid of the football, quick passing game on top of the stuff that he's good at in this game and in the future for him to stand a chance and for us to stand a chance this season winning some football games, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes, Cole, Bears should run, run, run. Go ahead, yes, Tim. 100%. Um, I, I agree. but And, you know, we all want to talk about fields over the next seven games, but I'm going to talk about strictly right now in Detroit. And I was talking about this early in the show before we brought Mike in, but there's a few things that I think really play into the Bears' favor this week. Number one, like I was saying earlier, Justin Fields is back. I'm telling you, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. There, He's going to come out there, and he's going to want to perform big time. Um, but another thing, I th- this is a trap game for Detroit. It really is. Like This is a Bears team who the defense has been playing lights out. They've, they're actually like number three in run defense in the NFL right now. They've been playing lights out. Um, you know, it's one of those things where – you know, I think Montgomery has a little bit of extra bones for this game. He's going to want to come out there and really attack. But I, I don't think that's being talked about enough. I don't think it is either. But I also want to mention that I think some of the Bears defense is going to want to shut him down. Same reason. Well, like they oh, are, but here's the, here's the thing. Let me, let me piggyback off you real quick, Tim, because here's, here's my issue. Here's what I think is the issue with all that. So first of all, I agree. It is kind of a trap game for them, but Dan Campbell's aware of that too. And if you've seen his press conferences in the past couple of days, he's all over it. And he's making his team know that like the bears play hard. They don't give up. He even said in his press conference, which some of us don't always agree with this. He said, they're close. Just like, you know, Eberflus has been saying. So whether we're, whether the bears are close or not is debatable, but he is not. And I'm talking about Campbell is not taking them lightly. And I'm, he's not going to let his players, Take the Bears lightly. This game is – it might be a trap game to some, but Detroit is not going to play like that. They're going to play hard. They're at home. The crowd is going to be in it. They're going to want to play hard. So and, – and to go back to your other point with Montgomery, yeah, the Bears' defense is probably going to be a little fired up to play him. He's obviously going to be fired up to play against the Bears. Like, I can't believe you let your division rival pay me more than you guys would. And the thing about the defense is there's some new pieces there. The guys that played with Montgomery last year that are going to be are probably not going to be the guys who will be tackling him this year. It'll be Edmonds if he plays, which it doesn't look like he's going to. But Sanborn, if he does, he was with him last year, so he knows. But Edwards wasn't. And if Edwards, if he knows anything about this guy, he better be on his A game as he's been for a lot of the season because Montgomery's going to be running hard. That guy might have the strongest legs I have ever seen in my life, the way he runs through some tackles. He might not have a bunch of big gains all the time, but he don't lose yardage. That guy takes the ball and he gets after it. So the Bears better be ready to tackle him. And then they better be ready for that change of pace in Gibbs too. And as I've heard from some other people, uh, some analysts and stuff, both on Twitter, I think Matt Bowen mentioned it too on that on that 670 interview I was talking about earlier. If the Bears really want to stand a chance on defense and in this football game, they got to get after Goff early. They got to disrupt him early because if they let this dude get into a rhythm, they let him get going. He's going to, he's going to destroy him. He's going to, he's going to get going. 
And, you know, it's like we can't have that happen in this game. Or if, if we let Jared Goff, of all people, beat us from the Lions, it's a real problem. So we have to be able to start there first, get going on him, and they got to stop the run as they have all season. But, the, again, like I said, it ain't going to be easy in this game. they got two backs who run the football really well, and Montgomery's got extra, extra motivation for this. Sanborn, if he plays, better be ready. And so, and so better be Edwards and the rest of that defensive line. He's coming. Yeah, and I want to. I'm going to mention what Cliff said here as well. He said Sanborn maybe better than Edmonds for for stopping Montgomery. For that maybe. And yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, but also at the same time, not having Edmonds leaves the middle of the field open, and they have a guy that's pretty good at wide receiver that likes to play in the middle of the field. So, and I'm talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. And that's another thing we're not talking about brother on brother rivalry again here. Maybe we could see a little bit more with that with the uh, St. Brown brothers. Um, but I also want to mention, like, there's a couple things that were that were missing last year too that are not missing now that are here. And one big one as far as run stopping is Billings. We have Andrew Billings now, who's been one of the best run defenders in the NFL. And you know that, and that's that's good because Montgomery likes to pound it up the middle. That's a good guy to have there up the middle. And we have Javon Dexter, like who's also a big bodied guy. I, you know that that could be a big thing to help. Um, but I also want to talk, you know. They've got Jameer Gibbs. He's a good he's a good punch with with Montgomery. But I also, you know, Montez Sweat's also here, and he wasn't before, and he's really good against the run too. And he's on the outside where Gibbs has his success. So there's some things here that could really play into big help for the Bears. And I also want to say, you know, like I said, Fields playing with a chip on his shoulder as the screen shown right now. Khalil Herbert should be back. That should be a big help, a big positive there. I, as much as I don't like doing this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're going to make a prediction. Don't I, do that. I think don't the Bears are going to get an upset, man. No, I just, Tim, don't, don't, I just, don't ruin it. I know. I just have a feeling. I really do. Like if you screw this up, Tim, <laughs> I just this have this feeling, us. man. I, I don't know. You know, they're playing well defense or they're playing better as a team like the defense is playing much better i'm not saying that i think it's going to happen i just have a gut feeling i i just do now but but like i said my mind is telling me otherwise like there's not there's no chance but at the well, same time like, i just just have a feeling man i just do so let me mention a couple of things real quick we just had on the screen that khalil herbert is going to be active if you guys haven't heard He's going to play, and that makes me really happy because, number one, we're not sure if Foreman's going to play or not yet because he's officially questionable. Um, he, I guess his, I think he hurt his ankle, if I'm not mistaken. He had some swelling in his ankle. So we're not sure if he's going to play yet. Uh, but if he does, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that, too, because I want to see them play together. Herbert was playing really good football before he got hurt, and if you guys don't remember, he was playing really good football last year. And if you guys don't remember before that, when he was a rookie, he was turning heads as a sixth-round draft pick or seventh-round draft pick. I can't remember for sure. Playing really good football as a rookie. There's something I want to mention about that really quick, too. I want to mention Khalil Herbert because a lot lot of people aren't real high on Khalil Herbert. And we were talking, you know, everybody's talking about Deontay Foreman and how he's been in Herbert's stead. And even in training camp going into the season, people were talking about how this running back by – it's going to be running back by committee – Roshan's eventually going to, everybody said Roshan Johnson was going to take over the running back spot over Khalil Herbert. And man, did he shut everybody up quick within a few games. Like you saw what he can do. This guy, 
I feel like his his game has evolved so much from last year too. He's a much better in pass pro. He's better catching the ball out of the backfield. And I feel like he's running even better, a little harder than he has in the past. He's always been that finesse guy. He finds holes and explodes. Well, now we're starting to see a little bit of him running through some guys. Um, but I, I mean, you know, I just like, I like where he is. I feel like he's really getting better and, you know, we'll see, but I, I really, I think he's going to have a big game too. We'll see, especially with Tevin back. Yeah. I'm excited for that uh, to see Tevin. That was another thing that Aldo just posted on the screen is that Nate, Nate Davis is going to be back and he's going back to right guard. If you guys haven't heard and Jenkins is moving back to the left side. So, and if you guys don't remember before Davis got hurt, they were starting to form a nice little alliance on the right side with those two. I know we've, we've liked what Jenkins and Wright have done, especially in a run game, but Nate Davis and, and Darnell Wright were playing really, really well right next to each other before uh, Davis got hurt. So I am excited to see that tandem get going again. And I'm also excited to see if, if Tevin and Braxton can get going together on the left side also, because I, you know, obviously Jenkins is a pretty good run blocker, a really good run blocker and Braxton's a pretty good run blocker. So, we need to get better running the ball to that side. So seeing them together, I am excited to see if they can run better that way. But there are two matchups that I wanted to mention um, in it, in this game that are going to be kind of important to me. The first one is obviously Montez Sweat on Penny Sewell. I think we're going to see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And Penny Sewell is one of the better, if not the best, right tackles in the game uh, right now. And don't, he talk, is don't just, disrespect Darnell Wright like that now. Darnell Wright is a he's a really <laughs> He's a very intriguing and promising rookie who is still growing and has all pro potential. He is not there yet. Penny Sewell might be all pro joking. right now. That joking. man is a monster. So, you know, seeing Montez Sweat on him is going to be interesting to me, seeing if Sweat can get his uh, per se. Um, I want to see if he can if he can disrupt him in the, in the pass rush because Sewell has not given up anything lately. I think he's given up one sack all season. And so whether they can stop him, whether they can get past him in the pass rush, sweat that is, and whether he can get some stops in a run game because Sewell's very good in the run game too, that's going to be interesting to me. And then on the other side of that coin is the Darnell Wright versus Aiden Hutchinson uh, matchup, which I think we're going to see a lot of that too. Now, what's going to upset me in this game which now I like Wright, and I think he's very capable of a lot of things. I think he's going to be a very, very good player. But if Getsy matches him up one-on-one with Aiden Hutchinson consistently throughout this game and does not at least chip him or give him some kind of help in this game, first of all, Hutchinson's going to get home a ton and disrupt the passing game. And number two, it's going to be a long day for Darnell Wright. So please do not do that to this kid. I am excited to see what he can do against Hutchinson, but we cannot put him one-on-one all game long. Just don't do that, please. I would say I would say that I think that it's going to be a game where we really see Cole Komet's impact, but not in the pass game, or as far as like catching the ball. I think he's going to have a big. I think he's going to have a big impact in the in the run blocking and chip game. I I think he's going to be. I think that's where he's really going to see success this week. But, you know, it's every few games we see that. It's, it depends on matchup. And I, I think that this would be a good game for him to do that. That's his strength. Like, I know he's been good catching the ball, but, man, Cole Komet is so good in, in run blocking and pass pro for a tight end. Like, there's a reason that he got his extension. So, you know, and I don't know. I, I Aiden Hutchinson worries me a little bit. 
um, especially if he's going to be on that side of the line. Especially with Nate Davis coming back. Or is he over Braxton Jones, too, for that matter? Yeah, it's Maybe true. more so. It's true. I, I agree. I agree 100%. That guy uh, just worries me, period. He's he's just a, he's a, he's a problem. Aiden Hutchinson is just a problem, guys. And, yes, I agree, Cliff. This is going to be a good game to play Mercedes. And, and here's mm-hmm. why. Because, obviously, he's a, he's a really good blocker, but they're going to need to run the football on this game. If they're just mm-hmm. going to let Aiden Hutchinson tee off because they get behind, you know, th- that's going to be a serious problem. You cannot get behind – because you didn't run the football enough, and then you're forcing Fields to throw the ball, and then you know Hutchinson, like I said, is going to be teeing off, and then you're going to have people in the next several weeks after the game going, "Oh, Fields is terrible; he can't do it because he's forced to throw the ball a hundred times." You know, because they didn't run the ball, they got too far behind, and we had a you know and got killed. So I do want to see them run the football. I do want to see a lot of Mercedes Lewis in this football game, and I want to see him pound it. I don't care what side they pound it to as long as they have success doing it, because now Jenkins is on the left. And as long as he's comfortable enough over there and we're seeing success over there, I, I'm okay with them doing that. But I do want to see them run the ball. They they are finally starting to incorporate some more toss into the game, I've noticed, which we hadn't seen a lot of early on. And I love when they do that because I feel like they get outside and our running backs do a really good job getting outside, get down the sideline, or even making cuts up and up and through the seam. It's, it's to me – we got to be able to do that more. We, we really do. We got to commit to the run. We got to have success running it in this game to have a success, to have a chance. And I think we can run the football in this game. I really do. I think we can run the ball on anybody. If you want my opinion, they just got to commit to it. They got to, they got to commit to it and they got to, they got to give their guys a chance to do it because they will do it effectively. Herbert's shown an ability to run the football effectively against anybody. Foreman for the last several weeks now has run the football very effectively they got to be able to. They got to be able to throw the football too. So I mean, don't get me wrong. That's going to be a part of this game. So run the ball, and definitely we're going to have to see some success in the passing game. So our guys better be ready there because there are some. To me, I feel like we can beat. We can beat some of these guys on the back end from Detroit. Now Brian Branch is pretty impressive, but mm-hmm. I think our receivers. You know, I, I think if we give them a chance to get the ball downfield, we can make it happen. <laughs> And Aldo says in the chat, Memo (laughs) sign the Willis twins. Yes. If we can get that out to Luke Getze, if anybody has a connection to him, please send that run the ball, run the ball. Yeah. And you know, just to to go along with that, the lions defense has given up a lot of points over the last few weeks. And they've shown uh, a little bit of weakness there that like that defense can be exploited. And I will tell you, that starts with that running game. Like you say, like if we can get the running game going, it's going to open up play action. And and what is Justin Fields best at deep passes down the field, deep ball accuracy, take your shots downfield. That's, that's how we're going to, that's how we score in this game is running the football, opening up play action and getting balls down the field. That's how we're going to see if we can get down, downfield throws in and start hitting on some of those deep shots. You know, this could be a ball game. This could be a real real game here. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they have to stick to what they're good at and it's going to depend. Is Getsy going to call the game he wants to call, or is he going to call a game to this player's strengths and a game plan that will be good against Detroit? It, well, it, I will say one thing. I will say one thing about Getsy. Now, early on in the season, I think everybody would have agreed that like the play calling was to be nice was a mess in some instances. And that's to be nice. So but that being said, in the last couple of weeks, I feel like we have started to see more of a game plan suited to the personnel. Now, 
one thing I will say, we've seen him doing a lot of like a lot more like the bootleg rollout thing with with Bajan in this offense last few weeks. Now, if he gets away from that with Justin Fields, who has that as one of his strengths, that is going to bother me because they've been having some success with that. So, again, if he look, I mean, he has to give him some credit. Getsy has been a little more <clears throat> a little more. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've just been better better suited for his personnel the last couple of weeks with his play calling and game planning. <clears throat> but again, like I said, we're going to have to have some explosive plays. We're going to have to get the ball down the field. And fields can do that. So they've got to give their guys chances. they got to give their guys chances. So, I mean, Well, I agree. I agree. And I, I would say that <clears throat> this is also a really good opportunity to have a bounce back game for DJ Moore. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't see a whole lot of DJ as far as explosive plays. And, and really, he you know, he didn't get the ball a whole lot when Tyson Bajant was starting. And I think this would be a really good bounce back game. Like, hey, your guy Justin's back. Hey, here we go. Let's do this thing, DJ. You know, let, let's really torch him here. I, I think it could be a really good game for him. Uh, he's going to get his targets if Justin throws the ball. Like if we see if we see the ball getting thrown a lot. DJ is going to get his targets and DJ will have an impact in this game. I really feel that way. I think he's, I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too. Well, one thing I, one area of improvement that I want to see from fields in this game in particular is his accuracy throwing those perimeter receiver screens and just the, the blocking place, the perimeter, because I'll t- even in just the short passing game, because I'll tell you what, and we already knew this before the season, but it's been very, very obvious as of late. You get DJ Moore the ball in his hands. The guy is gonna get. He's gonna make guys miss. He's gonna get yards after the catch. It's a given. He is going to get something after the catch. It just always happens. So if Fields can be a little bit more accurate with those throws to the perimeter, with those throws, gets a little bit more in stride with some of that stuff mm-hmm. to Moore. Give him more of a chance to get the ball out in front and get going as far instead of like reaching back and then getting moving. Let his momentum take him with him. And then I feel like he's going to get a little bit bigger gains and the offense will have instead of, you know, from going from first and first and 10 to second and eight. Now it's first and 10 to second and four, because we got six yards on that short pass instead of more having to come backwards. And now he goes to try to get extra yardage and it's harder. So to me, I do want to see a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, even on like those little sideline throws where you see DJ get the ball on the sideline defender comes up and tackle goes to tackle and I think he surprises defenders because they think they've either gotten him out of bounds or they've tackled him. And he, here he goes 10 yards down the field. He's escaped. Like he has that ability. It's not that he's necessarily like excellent at like running through guys and breaking tackles. He just has a finesse about the way he plays the receiver position and finds ways to get away and get extra yards. That he is so he's strong. He's a strong guy. Uh, but like I said, I don't think he's like just trucking guys over. I think he's just, once he catches the ball, he's good at running through. He runs like, through them. tackles. Yeah, he's trucking him. He just runs through tackles. Guys yeah. try to arm tackle him and find out real quick that he's way too strong. And yeah. he is deceptively fast and deceptively mm-hmm. quick. He makes moves in the open field and gets through guys and around guys. So yeah, like I said, I mean, guys try to arm tackle him and they're not going to be able to. And one thing, this is not Bears related, but going back to the game last night because you guys are talking about it in the chat. Cincinnati and Baltimore last night. First of all, Baltimore smoked Cincinnati, if you guys didn't see. But part of the reason why is because Joe Burrow hurt his wrist. He tore some tore a ligament, and he's out for the season now, which sucks for me because Jamar Chase is on my fantasy team, and he's been my keeper for like three years now, so one of my keepers. 
So that sucks for me, but Baltimore lost Mark Andrews last night too, as you guys said in the chats also. So he's also out for the year. That sucks for Baltimore, but you know, that in that game and that division now, people were at the beginning of the season. I keep I remember remember people talking about how Pittsburgh was like going to finish be the the worst team in that division and finish with a losing record and all that. Right now they're they're what are they six and three or something like that six and three or or five and three I can't remember exactly but they're you know right there in the thick of it you know and they're they're probably going to make the playoffs at this point. Now they, I'm they telling you, I I will I will rip out what little bit of hair I have left if. For whatever reason, Pickett gets benched or gets hurt, and Mitchell Trubisky leads them to a playoff run. I, I will that lose. Never I will lose my mind. But one thing I, I want—we got to get going here pretty quick. But one thing I want to say real fast because I know we've had this talk about, you know, the coaching controversy, whether or not Eberflus is going to stick around and make it or whatever, if they're going to fire him. But I have heard through the grapevine some rumblings that <clears throat> the Steelers could potentially move on from Tomlin. Number one, I don't think that's going to happen because all he does is win. He's the guy has literally never had a losing season in the NFL. Think about that for a second. Think about how long Mike Tomlin has been in Pittsburgh. He has never had a losing season ever, ever. So let me just say this. If the Steelers were to somehow, for some reason, move on from Mike Tomlin, I don't care how much you like Matt Eberflus. You go get Mike Tomlin right now. And I mean, right now. He would instantly change the tune in that building. He would change the culture. He would change the win. He'd get them to play winning football. I, I promise you they wouldn't have as many penalties and turnovers. It would be, I mean, just a totally different setting. I would be, I mean, I'd be ecstatic to see that happen. But again, that's not here nor there. I'm just saying that's something that I heard. And uh, yeah, that would be, that would be great to see. That'd be intriguing for sure. Yeah. So, hey, um, real quick. Let's let's see if anybody's got any questions. We're gonna close here in a few minutes, but if anybody's got any questions, we'll answer those questions um, and then move on to uh, there will be another bar room show coming on. So, <laughs> like says it. Mike Tomlin. Here is the key to the city: the First National Bank and the Willis Tower. <laughs> <laughs> really, though. Yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, seriously. I mean, if what if you had the opportunity to bring Mike Tomlin in, like. Ooh. Not take him. How would, could anybody, would any Bears fan not take Mike Tomlin right now if they could? Tell anybody in the chat, would you not take Mike Tomlin? You'd be lying. The only way you would say no is if you hate the Steelers, if you're a Ravens fan or a right. Bengals fan or a Browns fan. Anybody hate. who's an objective football fan who enjoys good football would take Mike Tomlin in a heartbeat. <clears throat> yes. So what, what are the thoughts on Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is a question that Aldo's asking. And so we kind of talked about this last week a little bit. And I'll just kind of give my thoughts first, and then, Tim, you can kind of say something if you want. But my first thing is the guy, so he shows nice creativity in his play calling. He caters to his players' strengths, which is a big deal to me, the way he does that and gets guys to play to their ability level. The most impressive thing to me is what he has done with his personnel. Look at Jared Goff. They, he was a cast off in LA. They were ready to move on from him. They were done with him. They wanted Stafford. And look what he has done with the guy. He's turned him in from turned him from a below level replacement player into an above average starter. So to me, that in and of itself, let's say the Bears were to hang on to Fields because of the things he showed at the end of the season. What if, or even you know, in any quarterback they brought in, you know. 
if they brought in Ben Johnson as a head coach, I feel like he would find a way to cater an offense around his personnel to get winning football. And actually the, the best part about the whole thing is he's not afraid to be, to play to your strengths and not get cute like Getsy does. He will go meat and potatoes, run to football style football or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, just pound it on you. The bears can do that and should a lot of times, but instead we run like shotgun on fourth and one at the goal line and get stuffed, which is like insane to me. So that would be what I'd say. And then there are some more questions, Tim. So if you want to, yeah, I was, I would just say one thing and then I want to get to Cliff's question. Um, All I would say is, Obviously, I would love to have Ben Johnson, and I would just say Detroit's not asking the questions about Johnson that we're asking about Luke Getze and leave it at that. They're not having to ask the questions about their coordinator. Um, so yeah. Cliff also asked a question here. Do you guys believe Justin's thumb will hold up for four quarters, or will we see Bajan? And I'll just answer that by saying I am 100% certain that Bears coaches are preaching in Justin's ear like, Stay in the pocket. Don't try to roll out. Don't try to get away unless the pocket collapses. Don't be afraid to take a sack and protect yourself. Um, but the way well, Justin plays, they're going to tell him to get rid of it and to not take sacks. Right. They're going to want to not call him. I'm, sa- I'm saying if he's if the pressure is already on him, I'm sure they're telling him to protect himself and just take. They're going to the tell sack. him not to be. In my opinion, they're going to tell him don't be afraid to take the check down in this game. Because sure. we don't want you to take the extra time throwing the football, getting sacked and hurting your hand. So I do think he can hold up for four quarters if he's if he's able to avoid sacks. That's in my opinion. So Cliff, if he can avoid sacks, which has you know been an issue for Fields in the past, then I think it can hold up. Just throwing the football, I don't think that's going to be the issue. I think if he's taking hits onto his hand, then we could have a problem. But I think as far as throwing the football, no, we, we won't have an issue there. Well, um, I, there's a yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Well, I just wanted to highlight really quick one comment before we get to that question. It was uh, Torian had said, Peter King said, Belichick has the Bears on his list. And I would say really quick, I think that uh, Belichick would definitely be a guy that the McCaskies would like because of the way he is with the media and he doesn't really give away anything. He'd fit right in as far as that goes. They don't have to give him the PR speech. I just don't know if he's a candidate for any. I would still be surprised if he actually yeah. moved on from New England. Yeah. If they actually moved on from Belichick, that would kind of surprise me. If he wanted to move on, then I could see it. But if the Bears do fire Eberflus and he and Belichick's available, he'd be a candidate. I would be shocked if he wasn't. But I'd be, I, I don't know. I just, it, it, I'd be shocked if he actually left New England. Uh, yeah. We're running out of time, so let's get to yeah. this this yep. last question here before we go. Uh, Kevin wants to know: Do you re-sign Tevin Jenkins? At this point, if you've had a gun to my head and you told me you either have to re-sign Tevin Jenkins right now or you move on from him forever, I would re-sign him. But at this point, I think you have to wait and kind of see a little bit more and see how much he develops because I think he can be an all-pro, potentially best, the best player at his position, the best left guard in the league. I believe he has that kind of potential. And if you let him continue, if he stays healthy, which is a big part, if he stays healthy, and he continues to improve and progress. And they've, they've mentioned that they like the way he's progressed as far as being a pro and coming along with his um, development in that phase. He's eating better, nutrition and all those kinds of things. He's, he's mentioned, I don't know if you guys have heard, he, he likes the Wendy's Baconator and some, some other things from Wendy's. And now he doesn't eat that so much. It's just like a cheat day thing for him. So I think, if, yeah, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, if he can stay healthy and he can, and, and if he can continue to improve and show 
dominance in the run game and be a better pass protector, which he has shown a lot of improvement there too. But if he can be a better pass protector and continue to show dominance in the run game, yes, they, they extend him. And he, he's going to be a very, very highly paid guard at that, at that rate if he continues on at this path. Well, I, I'll give my opinion on it in a second. But before I do that, I just want to say uh, I want to give Wendy's a shout-out for the win. That biggie bag is a pretty great thing that they've got over there, oh, the $6 God. biggie bag. But anyway, I like Wendy's a lot. So congrats to Tevin for really talking about his love for the Baconator. But anyway, um, just to, to uh, continue on with that point, I would say if Tevin finishes out the year healthy, the rest of this season going into next, they re-sign him. I think they do. I think they re-sign him in the offseason. It's hard to find he got enough needs, and he's a good football player, a really good one. Yep, and I don't think he'd ask for a whole lot of money. I think he'd probably take take a little bit of a hometown discount. He said multiple he times Chicago. on the record he loves Chicago. He's got, you know, I, I, and I, his brother was on. I was watching the Making Monsters from Taylor Dahl uh, last earlier in the week, and his brother was on there, and he talked about how he really likes Chicago, and he 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 doesn't want to leave, and he wants he would definitely see him staying. So I think I think that he does as long as he finishes out the year healthy. That's my honest opinion. All right. I think, I think so too. So, well, like I said, barring health and, and whatnot. So anyways, guys, we got to get going. So before we close out here, keys to the win tomorrow, stop. To, we got, we got to be able to get after golf early and often. We got to be able to run the football. We got to get some explosive plays, hopefully passes down the field. And we got to limit turnovers and penalties as we talked about early. So bear down. Let's get a win this Sunday. Hopefully, because that man, would that be a statement win to take out the Lions, guys? Yep. And the Willis's say it just like uh, Aldo said: run the ball, run the ball. But, run it. Yep. Bear down. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy this game this weekend. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye now.